The dull question of the existence of God. Asking about God is a silly question. Asking stupid questions is the way this brain works. It has the unfortunate tendency to start asking itself meaningless questions. The brain's goal is not to find meaning, validity. That's why the brain wanders from intellectual masturbation to intellectual masturbation. Whether it is theists or atheists, both are really the same. That is why I often say that atheists are religious failures. For they wander in the same masturbation as theists. Besides, if you listen to them, you will see this always apparent obsession with God. They spend their time trying to deny the existence of God. Fools. This shows that they are not rid of religious dogma, although they think they are. If you are rid of religious dogma, then you are not thinking about God. As for the need itself to believe in God, of both theists and atheists, it is because they need to believe in God. They need to believe. That is why historically these two groups have not advanced society and are sterile by nature, because they prefer faith to reason. Experiencing the presence of God, teachings from the book of Hebrews by A. W. Tozer, James L. Snyder. When you read this book title, you laugh. But to laugh, you have to have understood a couple of things about how your own biology works. Dualism is omnipresent in the religious. The religious person spends his time denying the existence of his body, which is why the denomination of spirit delights him. For if the religious person can define himself as a spirit, this gives him the possibility of conceiving God, a God who would be outside of him. Practical, isn't it? No religious person will tell you, since I am a body and organism, this belief in the existence of God is only the fruit of an intellectual masturbation of my brain. A circular argument as the Carmelite nun Bernadette Roberts said in her book, The Experience of No Self, A Contemplative Journey. All the experiences of my life had been nothing more than a head trip, a great psychological hoax, a pointless circular affair whereby I was now back where I started, not knowing any more about life or God than the day I was born. To think of all the wasted energy, studying, speculating, practicing, looking, striving, suffering, experiencing, and all of it. A perfect waste. In truth, everything man knows is 100% speculation and wishful thinking, egg blindly on, no doubt, by a self persistently demanding its own survival. What a trick of the mind! What total deception! Even people who hang out in non-dualist circles are caught up in this spiral, more broadly the group of spiritualists who constitute the New Age movement. These idiots spend their time referring to themselves as spirit, and thus cannot understand that consciousness, as a conscious individual, does not even exist. There is an activity of consciousness of the body, which is more like attention on an object, but no conscious individual exists, since every individual is only a body. This, the mystics although repeating it, for millennia, has never been understood by the masses. Too complex, and too many changes must occur in this body to reach this state. So, the majority of people will remain religious. From experiencing the presence of God, teachings from the book of Hebrews by A. W. Tozer, James L. Snyder, to deny the presence and existence of a transcendental world of which God is the head and the creator and the Lord, and to deny the mystical element of Christianity, you might as well close your Bible and go for a walk, because you will never understand it. Good, because I never needed either the Bible or Christianism. The religious person will remain a narcissistic pervert more interested in social dissension, by his belonging to a group, the Christian group or whatever the religious group. And as long as you have clans in society, you will not have social peace. 
the religious person is a nationalist and every nationalist is a danger to society. From new proofs for the existence of God, contributions of contemporary physics and philosophy by Robert J. Spitzer, Big Bang cosmology has introduced the probability of the finitude of the observable universe and contemporary universal inflationary theory has shown the strong probability of an initial singularity, implying a causative power transcending universal space and time. When these and other discoveries are allowed to complement traditional proofs for the existence of God, they provide a remarkable rational foundation for the existence of a unique, unconditioned, unrestricted, absolutely simple, super-intelligent, continuous creator of all else that is. No, a theory is not a proof. Definition of a theory. Theory, name, 1. 590s, conception, mental scheme, from Greek theoria, contemplation, speculation, from theorin, to consider, speculate, look at, from theorist, spectator, from thea, a view, see theater, plus horon, to see, which is possibly from pi root asterisk way, to perceive. A theory is just a view of the world around us. There is nothing definitive about it. Besides, the scientific method, derived from scientific thinking, is the opposite of this notion of definitive. Religious people like things definitive because it allows them to continue their mental narrative. And when I hear pseudoscientists telling me that there is something absolute in science, it makes me jump. Nothing is definitive in scientific knowledge. Science is practically the opposite of the religious thought. For this reason, science is fought against by the church since the beginning, which when does not manage to prohibit it, ends up minimizing it. The church minimizes the science with the pretext that it is the necessary moral element in the society which is also false. There is no more moral than religion a group of individuals claiming to be the holders of the truth. There is no truth, only views of reality. And even reality does not exist, it's only appreciations of a reality. It's funny that in the root of theory, we also find, theorist, spectator. This clearly shows the passive nature of a theorist. Theorists like to call themselves inventors, but discoveries like theories are not actions, because action has an active character. The spectator is passive by definition. And the religious is passive by definition. Esoterism is active by definition. And the religious hates esoterism, because it represents his negation, the negation of his character, a dreamer. While the esotericist is actively working on the transformation of his body, the religious man lets himself wander. I would tell you what harm there is in letting yourself wander, if you don't live in a society. If you live in a society, then you must contribute, which means with action in it, and not let this society drift into a vague reverie. It is for this essential reason that religion is a social danger, a danger which must be contained if the human race is to remain on this earth for long. Groups, clans, nationalisms have no place in a society. No group has primacy over the character of the citizen. But with the religious, it is always first my group, then being a citizen. No, for almost 2000 years, this clannish tendency advocated by monotheism, must disappear. One way or another, if man does not return to the ancient thought conceived by the Greeks, and from which monotheism took a different route and made the West deviate, then there is no future for modern man. Socialist nihilism is only the continuation of this long monotheistic monologue. Socialism has in no way improved the fate of society, on the contrary. In this audio, video that follows, if you don't forget the passive character of religion and the religious, then you understand that religion is a long intellectual masturbation wandering for losers. 
Historically, the religious has always been the failure of the society. This being that we would prefer not to exist, the one that constantly slows down the society by its immobility. Will we finally find a philosophical argument for God that stands up to the light of reason? Or are we just spinning our wheels looking at emotional claims that cannot be intellectually validated? Let's dive right in for the next set of 10. Welcome back to part 3 of my 40 bad arguments for the existence of God. These are philosophical arguments that I came across in an article, and every single one of them that I've examined so far has fallen apart under even the most cursory of evaluation. These are all fallacious, and while some of them are more absurd than others, none of them survive rational examination. None of them at all. Not a single one. And anyone who takes these seriously, that says something very unflattering about their intellectual and critical thinking faculties. Not that I suspect that it will matter to most of them. So let's take a look at the next 10 and figure out why every single one of them fails miserably. But hey, it's religion. So what else is new? Argument number 21. The argument from personal purpose. Premise 1. If there is no purpose to a person's life, then that person's life is pointless. Premise 2. Human life cannot be pointless. Premise 3. Each human life has a purpose from 1 and 2. Premise 4. The purpose of each individual person's life must derive from the overall purpose of existence. Premise 5. There is an overall purpose of existence from 3 and 4. Premise 6. Only God can provide an overall purpose to a human life. Therefore, God exists. Now, of course, this is just silly, and the premises are absurd. This is really why philosophical arguments of this kind are so utterly laughable. So, we'll start with premise 1. If there is no purpose to a person's life, then that person's life is pointless. Okay, so? And whose job is it to give their life meaning? Their own! So if they fail to do so, whose fault is it? Their own! But as we move on to premise two, it gets even more ridiculous. Human life cannot be pointless. Says who? That's not a premise, it's a bald assertion, and a false one at that. Why can't human life be pointless? Because that makes some people uncomfortable, I guess. Well, screw them. And it goes downhill from there, with even more empty claims, based on preconceived notions, ending up with more ad hoc nonsense. But that's how all of these arguments end up, isn't it? Entirely unimpressive. And none of it proves that God exists, because, as we see in premise 6, it just baldly asserts that only God can provide an overall purpose to human life. That's false. I've got a fine purpose to my life. I came up with it. I don't need the help of any imaginary friends. So this is just absurdly stupid. Number 22. 
the argument from the intolerability of insignificance. Premise 1. In a million years, nothing that happens now will matter. Premise 2. By the same token, anything that happens at any point in time will not matter from the point of view of some other time a million years distant into the future. Premise 3. No point in time can confer mattering on any other point, for each suffers from the same problem of not mattering itself from 2. Premise 4. It is intolerable or inconceivable or unacceptable that in a million years, nothing that happens now will matter. Premise 5. What happens now will matter in a million years from 4. <sighs> hmm. Premise 6. It is only from the point of view of eternity that what happens now will matter even in a million years from 3. Premise 7. Only God can inhabit the point of view of eternity. Therefore, this is stupid. No, therefore, God exists. <sighs> All right. Like the last argument, which is really just an emotional reaction, this one is every bit as bad. So what if people don't want to be insignificant? Too bad. So sad. Get over yourself. The only thing that actually matters is reality, and in reality, we are insignificant, at least from a vast perspective, because we're just an insignificant life form on an insignificant planet, in an insignificant solar system, in the ass end of an insignificant galaxy. If there's other life out there somewhere, chances are they not only have no idea we exist, they probably never will. When we're gone, and we will be gone, no one will miss us. From a cosmic perspective, we're pathetically irrelevant, and if this bothers you, that means you're not an intellectual adult. This whole argument essentially says, reality doesn't make me happy, therefore God exists. Too bad. I trust I don't have to point out just how absurdly stupid this is. Premise 4 points it all out. It is intolerable. Yeah? To who? Because it isn't intolerable to me. Your feelings don't dictate reality. And this just shows that believers aren't thinking about reality at all. The lives of billions of people who lived hundreds or thousands of years ago, they've all been entirely forgotten. Up until we started keeping decent birth records, there are hundreds of millions of people or more that we have no idea ever existed at all. And you know something? Who cares? So what? It doesn't keep me from sleeping at night. And I suspect the religious don't care either. Because ultimately, we are all insignificant to everyone but ourselves and to our loved ones. None of this says anything about God. Number 23 the argument from the consensus of humanity. Premise 1. Every culture in every epoch has had theistic beliefs. Premise 2. When peoples widely separated by both time and space hold similar beliefs, the best explanation is that those beliefs are true. <laughs> okay. Premise 3. The best explanation for why every culture has had theistic beliefs 
is that those beliefs are true. Therefore, God exists. <sighs> These don't get any smarter, do they? All right. Here's the fact. Those beliefs are often not at all similar. And especially today, when people are giving up religious beliefs entirely, when we're seeing entire countries with a majority of atheists that reject a belief in gods, this whole thing falls apart. And we can apply this to every absurd belief that man has ever held. Just because people believe it, that doesn't make it true. Most people believed that the earth was flat. Some morons still do. But science proved all of them wrong. Their beliefs were false no matter how many people held them. And this is just a giant argumentum ad populum fallacy. Short and sweet, this one is just idiotic. Number 25. The Argument from Holy Books Premise 1. There are holy books that reveal the Word of God. Premise 2. The Word of God is necessarily true. Premise 3. The Word of God reveals the existence of God. Therefore, God exists. It's hard to overstate how stupid this actually is. Again, this is just bald assertions that can't be validated. Premise 1 betrays the irrationality of the religious. Holy books claim to reveal the Word of God. They cannot be demonstrated to actually do so. So, premise 1 kills the entire argument because it's demonstrably false. It doesn't prove a thing. It just claims to be true. It cannot be shown to be actually true. Seriously, how can you get more dumb than this? But after going through 25 so far, isn't this pretty much how most of these absurd arguments work? Argument number 26. The argument from perfect justice. Premise 1. This world provides numerous instances of imperfect justice. Bad things happening to good people and good things happening to bad people. Premise 2. It violates our sense of justice that imperfect justice may prevail. Premise 3. There must be a transcendent realm in which perfect justice prevails from 1 and 2. Premise 4. A transcendent realm in which perfect justice prevails entails the perfect judge. Premise 5. The perfect judge is God. Therefore, dun da 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 God exists. <sighs> These don't get any better, do they? This is just another case where reality hurts our feelings. Therefore, reality has to be wrong. Yes, there is imperfect justice. What of it? Yes, bad people get away with doing bad things. So what? The fact that you don't like it doesn't change the fact that it happens. This is yet another entirely emotional argument that falls apart under the damning light of reason. Some people don't like reality, therefore God. But it doesn't work that way. Sometimes bad people do bad things and get away with it. It happens. We try to limit that, but we can't stop it entirely. And it doesn't matter how much that bothers you. It has been and will continue to be true. Making up a magical man in the sky and an eternal damnation for people you don't like, that doesn't change anything. 
That's why all of these bad arguments for the existence of God fail because you start with ideas based solely on emotion, really, really want them to be true, and then demand that somehow that proves God is real. And it does nothing of the sort. They all take on the form of something I really wish was true must be true. Therefore, all the things that I believe for bad reasons must be so. Therefore, God. Sorry, you're wrong. Number 27, the argument from suffering, which sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Premise one, there is much suffering in this world. Now, something must have gone wrong here because we're missing premise two, but I guess we can all just mentally move everything up one spot. So everybody pretend just like the religious. Premise three, some suffering, or at least its possibility, is demanded by human moral agency. If people could not choose evil acts that cause suffering, moral choice would not exist. Premise four, whatever suffering cannot be explained as the result of human moral agency must also have some purpose from two and three. Wait, there is no, where's two? I don't get two. Never mind. <laughs> Premise five, there are virtues, forbearance, courage, compassion, and so on, that can only develop in the presence of suffering. We call them the virtues of suffering. Premise six, some suffering has the purpose of our developing the virtues of suffering from five. Premise seven, even taking three and six into account, the amount of suffering in the world is still enormous, far more than what is required for us to benefit from suffering. Premise eight, Moreover, there are those who suffer who can never develop the virtues of suffering, children, animals, and those who perish in their agony. Premise 9, there is more suffering than we can possibly explain by reference to the purposes that we can discern from 7 and 8. Premise 10, there are purposes for suffering that we cannot discern from the non-existent 2 and 9. Something really has to be missing there. Premise 11, only a being who has a sense of purpose beyond ours could provide the purpose of all suffering from 10. Premise 12, only God could have a sense of purpose beyond ours. Therefore, yada, 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 God exists. All right. This argument fails for exactly the same reasons that the free will arguments fail. Because free will and moral agency only operate among available choices. If there was no such thing as evil, then humans would have every bit the moral agency they do now, with all the choices that they had available to them. So, assuming that there's a God, which is a bad assumption, but assuming that there is, then it's the fault of that God for setting up the system the way that he did and not having the imagination to make a vastly superior system for us to live in. It all comes down to God being an uncreative prick. But the religious refuse to acknowledge that, therefore they cast it not as a bug, but as a feature. This is true because the religious aren't that creative or imaginative either. They lack the ability to think beyond what we see to what could conceivably be, given their belief in an all-powerful deity that could do absolutely anything without limitation. And of course, as you read through the argument, it's chock full of empty claims that do not stand up to rational evaluation. 
Why is God the only one that could have a sense of purpose beyond ours? Where the hell did they get that idea? Because it isn't about finding the truth. It's about confirming their pre-existing biases. So this whole thing is just a waste of time. Number 29. The Argument from the Upward Curve of History Premise 1. There is an upward moral curve to human history, tyrannies fall, the evil side loses in major wars, democracy, freedom, and civil rights spread. Premise 2. Natural selection's favoring of those who are fittest to compete for resources and mates has bequeathed humankind selfish and aggressive traits. Premise 3. Left to their own devices, a selfish and aggressive species would not have ascended up a moral curve over the course of history from 2. Premise 4. Only God has the power and the concern for us to curve history upwards. Therefore, God exists. Okay, another failure. Premise 1 is all subjective. Tyrannies fall but only because they rose in the first place, and there are a lot of tyrannies on the rise all the time. We tend to forget the bad things in our midst. Evil loses only because the winners write the history books and cast the losing side as evil. Good and evil are entirely subjective concepts. Democracy is tenuous at best. All one has to do is study politics to know that. Freedom and civil rights spread, well, not if you look at Europe right now. It's becoming more and more limited. The police in England are spending a ton of time trying to prosecute free speech online, at least speech that the liberal government doesn't like. And the same is true throughout Germany and France and other European countries. And that's to say nothing of what is going on in China, because there, freedom doesn't really exist. And let's not forget the leftists in the U.S. who are desperately trying to control what people can say based on feelings. And religious regimes, notably in Russia and the Middle East, are actively trying to harm people who speak out against their religious beliefs. This is just absurd to anyone who actually knows what they're talking about. And keep in mind that we tend to wrongly assume that whatever moral views we happen to hold today must be the absolute right views, not only for today, but across time. It's why idiots on the far left are out there trying to destroy historical monuments from the past, because their modern world views insist that the views of the past must have been wrong. And the same goes for religion, which tends to destroy religious monuments of other religions, because everyone else must, by definition, be wrong, and that the destroyer's views must be right for all time. Never mind the fact that everyone has always thought that, and their moral ideas have always been supplanted by someone else who was equally convinced that everyone in the past was an immoral monster. So this argument rests on a ridiculously faulty premise, that everyone is right today, and everyone in the past was always wrong. There is no advancement there is only change. What we do today will be seen by people tomorrow as barbaric. Thus, the whole argument implodes under its own irrationality. And finally, for this time out, number 30, the argument from prodigious genius. Premise 1. 
Genius is the highest level of creative capacity, the level which, by definition, defies explanation. Except it doesn't, but, you know. Premise 2. Genius does not happen by way of natural psychological processes. From 1. Premise 3. The cause of genius must lie outside of natural psychological processes. From 2. Premise 4. The insights of genius have helped in the cumulative process of humankind, scientific, technological, philosophical, moral, artistic, societal, political, spiritual, yada, yada, yada. Premise 5. The cause of genius must both lie outside of natural psychological processes and be such as to care about the progress of humankind. From 3 and 4. Premise 6. Only God could work outside of natural psychological processes and create genius to light the path of humankind. Therefore, yeah, God exists. Well, finally, we get to the last argument this time around, and again, it rests entirely on subjective views that cannot be objectively verified. It starts off by denying that genius can be explained, which is patently false. We know how it happens, we just can't predict when it happens. Further, calling someone a genius is, by definition, subjective, based on what we want to see, not necessarily on what actually is. Genius is also only recognized in retrospect. It has to be proven to solve a problem or to perform in a way people like before they're dubbed a genius. And genius rarely lasts. Newton was a genius right up until Einstein came along, and now there are things that Einstein said that are being proven wrong, and some other genius in the future will say things that supersede him. But beyond all of this, how does God even enter into it? Because this is just another argument from ignorance. These things that people with small minds are confused by need an explanation. Therefore, God. But as I've said many times before, it just doesn't work that way. It never has, and it never will. These aren't getting any better, are they? I keep hoping that they're going to improve, maybe get the worst ones out of the way first, then get on to something with some real meat. But that's not happening. They are all uniformly terrible, but I suppose that's to be expected. The religious don't care if their views are rational or evidentially supported. They only care if they make them feel good, and that's a piss-poor way of looking at the real world. But this isn't really about the real world, is it? It's about rationalizing your way to emotional comfort because that's all that matters to them in the end. If you notice, every single one of these so-called philosophical proofs will jump the rational shark somewhere in the middle and declare, without any evidence of any kind, that only God can do whatever it is they're trying to prove, as though an empty claim says anything about the state of reality. You can insert the flying spaghetti monster into every single argument, and it doesn't change the argument any. In the last one, we could say, only the FSM could work outside of natural psychological processes and create geniuses to light the path of humankind. Therefore, the FSM exists. Seriously, put anything in there. 
unicorns, leprechauns. It doesn't matter because these are not supposed to be rational arguments. These are bald-faced rationalizations meant to confirm the already existing biases of the believer. And apparently, they aren't bright enough to see what they're doing. So anyway, next time we'll cover the last 10 of these really terrible arguments for the existence of God. And if anyone wants to put down money that there will be something convincing in that last set, hey, I'll take your bet. Because these reasons are just a joke. If you buy into any of them, there's something wrong with your brain. But that pretty much describes the religious, doesn't it? They have Dane Bramage. <laughs>